Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I am so happy that you're here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about many things to do with parenting and motherhood and explore the joys and challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to share more about aware parenting, to inspire us all on our parenting adventures, and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. Hello, before we start this next episode of the podcast, I just want to share with you about the new live round of my Aware Parenting Teenagers course, which is starting on the 22nd of May. In this live round, we're going to dive deep into many of the aspects of applying this beautiful approach with our teenagers, supporting all the beautiful parents in this community to be able to develop close, connected, loving relationships with their teens and navigate many of the challenges that we all face in our families. If you would like to know more, please visit my website, awareparenting.com.au forward slash courses, and all the information is there. Right, let's get on with this episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today, I'm really delighted to have Genevieve Simpringham all the way from New Zealand. Hi, Genevieve. Thank you so much for making time to come and talk to us all today. Oh, hi, Joss. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So excited to be here. So Genevieve, probably most people will be familiar with her, but just in case you're not, I will introduce her briefly. Genevieve is mother to two two children. Well, I can't really call them children anymore, 26 and 21-year-olds. And she was originally from Ireland, but has been living in New Zealand for many years. She is a psychosynthesis counsellor and the founder of the Peaceful Parent Institute. She is a parenting educator and writer and was an aware parenting instructor for 14 years. She regularly contributes articles to publications and is a feature contributor to the Natural Parent magazine. She has helped thousands of parents and teachers and professionals over the last 27 years. Wow. She's presented hundreds of workshops and courses and draws on her in-depth ongoing study of many of the leading experts in the field of early childhood development, personal development, and attachment and neuroscience. So, wow, that's considerable knowledge and experience. I'm so looking forward to speaking to you. So I usually start off by just asking my guests, how did you come into this way of of parenting? How did you learn about aware parenting? And, and what started you on this beautiful journey? Ah. Oh. Thanks, Joss. It was actually my midwife when I was pregnant with Oshin. So this was 27 years ago, and I was pregnant with my first child. And it was my midwife, Bridget, who lent me their Wear Baby book. And that was my first introduction to Aletha. And oh my gosh, I just lapped it up. It was it was like gold, you know, it was absolutely like gold. And it resonated with me so much because I already was very deeply immersed in the therapeutic world. I had been running, you know, working as a healer and running weekend retreats and workshops for adults around healing their childhood wounds and healing their trauma. And and this all came from my own personal path of healing, which led me to train in these different healing modalities. And a big part of it was the therapeutic value of crying and venting and 
you know, I came across, uh, was it Arthur Yanoff, you know, Primal Scream? Though I don't know, do you remember those books way back then? And rebirthing and, and yeah, all of that really helped me a lot and then led me into working with adults and helping them get in touch with their inner child and learning to say no and have boundaries and and voicing and venting and, you know, adults with, with music, like really kind of emotional music going and you're dancing and you're doing chanting and, and then, you know, vocalizing and getting in touch with the child and all of Aletha's wisdom around the allowing the child to have that natural healing, releasing process through their cries was was like taking all of that information and showing me this is how we can largely prevent or do a lot of prevention right from the beginning. But also it gave me just so much reassurance, this sense of I can't get it all right. I can't heal everything. I can't protect my children from everything and that might go wrong. But Aletha's A Weird Baby gave me the reassurance that my baby is being born with these natural self-healing mechanisms and that we can work together, you know, I can hold space and allow that healing. So, I mean, that I'm I'm focusing in on the the releasing stress and trauma through crying there, but everything about the weir baby and then all of Aletha's books, everything resonated with me. And of course, the non-punitive discipline, because at that stage, I absolutely knew that there was no way that I was ever going to punish my children or, or never intentionally use emotional manipulation or punitive approaches. Like that was really, really, really clear to me. But Aletha was showing yeah, but this is what you can do. So it was just such a gift, such a gift. And I was really committed. And I decided there and then I want to be an aware parenting instructor at some stage. And that was that was a long time. And that was then a long time, many, many years later before moved moving to New Zealand and eventually being able to do the workshops with Aletha when she came to Australia. So it was quite a few years later. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I really find it so helpful, particularly when people talk about aware parenting who have also got considerable work and experience in supporting adults to heal. And you can see that amazing reality that all of this work we do with adults to undo and to heal and to make better all of the suffering can be largely prevented at at the right from the beginning by applying these beautiful, as you say, natural self-healing practices that Aletha describes so beautifully. And I really loved what you were saying too, that it's that dual process. Part of it is prevention. And then Mm. part of it is that reassurance that for all of the times that we can't support our children to heal, which is inevitably going to be for all of us, regardless of how attuned we are and how hard we try, there is all of this amazing possibility to heal whenever the time is right. So it's just so reassuring and helpful for parents to know that you can prevent it largely and yeah. anything you can't prevent, you can heal at some other stage in the process. Yes. I loved what you're saying too about that non-punitive discipline because it's really, it's very difficult when we come to it thinking we don't want to be punishing our children. We never want to be harsh to them and we never want to be like cruel or dominating of them. 
but then what do we do instead? And mm. so she really does provide this amazingly clear framework and pathway to know all of these different things that you can do instead to support your children. So, yeah, I love that you mentioned that too. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was myself already seeing so many adults who had a lot of childhood trauma and they would come to the workshops that I was running and really get in touch with how the wounds from their childhood, realizing those wounds and how they were shamed and love was withdrawn from them and they were neglected and the different punitive approaches. And now assuming now that they see this, they're not going to replicate any of this with their children. And yet I would say, you know, the same people, you know, speaking in a really demeaning way with their children. I was like, I can't understand it. And and then I slowly started to see, okay, it's just not enough to know what not to do. P- parents really need to know, well, what do I do when I'm exasperated with my child because they won't cooperate or they're talking back or whatever it is that's par- triggering the parents. Mm. And Alisa, she's just got, yeah, she's just, she worked all that out of just of so much love and respect and gratitude and appreciation to her and how detailed her books are. And yeah, they've always been the books that I would lend to, you know, teachers or relatives or, you know, the people you don't know how they're going to respond um, because it's just so logical and easy to follow. Mm. Yes, Mm. absolutely. And so going back to what you were just touching on then, how do you think it's best for us to support parents when they're going through this dual process, often at the same time, of reparenting themselves and healing from their own childhood trauma, whilst also parenting their children in a really, really different way? I mean, that's that's the real struggle of this, isn't it? How, how can we support people better in that process? Yeah, it's such a good question, Joss, isn't it? It's, it's such a good question. And uh I think it's so important that we work really hard, and this is the big, big, big work, that we work really hard to apply the same levels of compassion and patience and and tolerance and forgiveness to other parents that we're, we're working to develop in our own families and with our own children, because because the last thing that parents need is to be judged. You know, wasn't that Thomas Gordon who said, parents are blamed but not trained. And that compassion, I think, is such an important part of it because it's not as simple as when we know better, we do better. It's not as simple as that. And and I see parents can just really continue the cycle of shaming themselves for not getting it right or for falling back again and again. So I think that endless compassion and patience as is really it's really 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 important because that's what provides the emotional safety isn't it that allows us as parenting educators and instructors and advocates to hold that safe and sacred space for for parents as they journey because you're right it is a parallel process and those wounds go really deep and all of us who are on this journey I think it's safe to say we've all been there again and again and again where we think I've I've done that now. You know, I've healed the, those particular wounds from childhood. I've healed those patterns. But it really is like layers and layers of the onion that then we realize, oh, my gosh, there's this more core beliefs or another layer of of shame or another layer 
I've just been going through this myself. Oh, it's a continuous process, but I've just been going through it again, seeing these parallel processes with an aspect of my adult life that I actually held shame around, like a like a, a secret bad thing that I did and I didn't see, I wasn't seeing that I had this shame still. And it wasn't until I did, went into this deep process. Why does this trigger me? You know, it's always why does it trigger me? Well, that's where we get the access into these parts of ourselves that need healing. So, I guess what I'm touching on here, Joss, is that because I keep journeying deep myself, I keep doing the work. You know, there's no going back. Just keep doing the work. Then I keep uncovering another wound, another pain or another layer or another aspect or be it subtle aspect to that wound inside of myself, then it keeps that whole process very alive for me. And because it's very alive for me, our vulnerability and our sensitivity around our healing journey, it affords me a lot of compassion, like genuine compassion for the parents that I'm helping. And so going back to your question, I think it's really important that we just never reach that stage of, I have done my work. I did my work. Mm-hmm. I did my work. I have done my work because it, it is an ongoing journey because it's not just our own childhood wounds and trauma, which we all have ample amounts of. It's the generational trauma, isn't it? It's it's what's gone back many generations. You know, I've got this, one of my things has been like an entrapment phobia. And then it was only not that long ago that I realized, oh, yeah, my grandfather spent five years in prison when he was just 19 to, to 24 years of age, you know, the same age that my kids are now, my adult children are now. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, that's probably where that came from, you know. Oh, there's other things from my childhood. But you know, we know now, don't we, Joss, that we can we can carry secrets and shame and wounds from generations back and in our whole society. So it's really staying very vulnerable and alive with our own healing process, I think keeps our heart open to the people that we're helping. Mm. Yeah, I love how you describe that. Yeah, totally. I love that. I really love that. And I think what I really love most is how you're talking about the healing process being a long and ongoing process that we never get to the end of. And that so often our children's behavior does invite us to go and explore some of those layers of pain that we haven't explored yet or or deeper layers to the pain that we have explored or like you say brings us face to face with some core beliefs that might not be serving us very much anymore and yeah. just uh, bringing that curiosity and that compassion and tenderness to ourselves when we're finding ourselves so triggered by our children's behavior and i love that perspective that you brought around trauma being that intergenerational uh, element of it and and that cultural societal level to it of course so you can really understand then with that perspective why it is this ongoing long process and sometimes it can be really frustrating because we yeah. just want it done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted it all done before I became a parent, let alone <laughs> 26 years later, you know, and it's just an ongoing journey of coming to terms with you know, that we can't make it all perfect. We can't just clean it all up. It's an ongoing journey. That is what unconditional love is. Hey, we're not deciding. I love my kids unconditionally because now 
they've completely cleaned up their act and they're this model human being, you know, it's, that's not what it's about, is it? It's, it's like, it's loving them through their ups and their downs and their ins and their outs and their, you know, in balance and out of balance. And Hey, it's the same for ourselves to apply to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and when our children's are behaving in certain ways, we're then invited to to ask the two questions. One is, you know, what is what's what's for them in this, and how can I support them with unconditional love using all these beautiful tools of aware parenting, and then to also bring some curiosity to to what is in this for me. And often, in fact, when we we really go to that second question and get some support and and really go into that a bit more, their mm. their behavior completely changed and everything shifted oh. to them. It's, it's it's actually it's quite incredible isn't it it's yeah i have just we've all seen that again and again and again that it's those moments where when they were young say and they're in bed and i'm sitting there at night and i'm journaling and i'm crying and i'm doing my meditation and i'm i'm like just writing 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 all the bad stuff you know just writing out i'm so frustrated i'm so annoyed i'm so stuck or whatever it is and then it takes me to that place of oh this is what it is you know and then i can see it's not about him it's not about her it's not about them this is the old familiar pattern And then I just, you know, so often I would just go to my child's bedside when they're asleep and like, oh, I'm so sorry, my beautiful boy. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I can, you know, because I've discovered that there was this kind of edge, that there was that edge that was there that I wasn't seeing, that I wasn't admitting to. And then, you know, he or she, you know, whoever it is, wake up the next morning and they're like this, this freed, they're free version of themselves again. And it's just a reminder. And in those moments, you know, I would always feel like I'll never let that happen again. I would always, I'm going to, my heart is so open. And how could I be in any other state than just that unconditional love and acceptance and support? But, you know, we do get triggered and we get triggered and we tighten up and we go into defense mode and stress response. And and it's just layer after layer after layer. Yes. Yeah. But a beautiful journey. Yeah, it is a beautiful journey. Mm. I love that description. Thank you. And I loved what you're saying there, too, about how even if our intention is always, which our intention is always to be loving and thoughtful and kind and gentle with our children, it's so inevitable that our our pain is going to be touched sometimes. Yeah. And whether that's by their behavior or something completely different, it still is going to impact on, on the parent that we're able to be in that moment. And as you say, we find ourselves, our nervous system has gone straight back into that state yes. of feeling under threat and and having to defend or attack. And then we become aggressive or shouting or whatever it is that we're doing and so what what I really love is is the shared humanity for all of us that we have those responses and also this beautiful tool that Aletha gives us around repairing and rewinding with our children are you, are you willing to talk about that process because I know that's something that you mm. you love to oh, share yeah oh yes oh yeah absolutely the and there's so many we've got so many ways so many tools for doing the repair and really all of the aware parenting, peaceful parenting approaches are all therapeutic. Just whether it's making a decision about, I don't know, where to go or what to do or what game to play, just those ways of communicating that 
include everybody is in itself therapeutic and is in itself reparative because you're saying we all matter and your voice matter, your wants matter, your needs matter, your objections matter, your sensitivities matter. And whether it's like the just the problem solving or how we do that active listening, it's all reparative. And also play is is such a big part of it. There's so much repair. And there's there's nothing that children really can't heal through their play when we can create enough space for the play. But of course, the play is also is also a huge ongoing journey for us adults. And I see again and again with the parents I'm helping or in workshops that most parents, to one extent or another, have got a lot of resistance and a lot of blocks around the play. And it's in exploring that resistance and those blocks that there's a lot of healing in that, you know. And so often for lots of parents, they can't easily give themselves to their child and say, I'm all yours and just go with the child's endless like, okay, you be this and you be this and you sit there and I'll sit there and you do this and hold this and do this. And, you know, that's really, really triggering for lots of parents and they're feeling controlled and restricted and they want to be doing something else and they don't see the point of it. And and I think it's, it's a big, big journey for parents to really give themselves to their child and their play. And so, you know, I just help them explore what's coming up for them at those times, you know, and what's familiar about it. And a lot of adults, they their parents didn't play with them. So their own magical child was being shut down and repressed on an ongoing basis throughout childhood. So it's a big journey to recover that magical child. And so just starting with being lighthearted, just start with your face, just start by with exaggerated facial expressions, just by doing the wide eyes or the the kind of the big round kind of like, oh, are you serious sort of um, shape to the mouth or just starting off by being a little bit more lighthearted more of the time because it's the um they're not having to give of their whole selves to getting down on the carpet or on the bed or running around the garden with their child and and that it's a sort of a i i guess i'm a great believer in incremental steps when we're overcoming that which there's a lot of blockages and a lot of trauma around. So, and just working that out with parents and working out what do you like to play? Okay, well, they love those memory games or the card games or or whatever. And then finding finding that intersection, that intersection point where it's something they love to do and their child loves to do. And then using that as a sort of an entry as, as opposed to saying to your child, like I loved to say to my kids and they always loved it when I said, I'm all yours for the next hour, you know, and, and it's never ceased to amaze me how, how much they continue to be excited about that all through the years and, and continues, you know, like yesterday was Mother's Day and my son, he's 26, but he said, I was so, I woke up, I was so excited, you know, so excited about spending the day together. They love it. Our kids love it when we say, I'm all yours. And what do you want to do? And it's beautiful when we can do that. But 
most parents, I find a lot of parents have to work their way up to that. And when you're encouraging them to to do that and they can't do it, they just feel like a failure. So I'm talking about the play here, but actually it's the same with the active listening to their to their fears and their insecurities or their um their complaints or their grumpiness or their that which the parent kind of judges to be negative whatever it is that we're opening up the space holding space and making ourselves available to our kids we want to be helping that parent find find their exit strategies for when they start to become impatient, be it with the play or with the listening, what can they say? Like, say, for instance, they might say, sweetheart, I'm I'm really enjoying listening to you and I want to give you more time and space, but I just need to take a little break now. And can we can we make a plan to come back to this? Or I need to I need to get the lunch on or I really would would really love to hang out the washing while there's some sun and but let's make a little plan or even just I need to go to the loo and I'll be right back. You can come with me. Let's go to the loo. Come with me if you like. But having having those little um, exit strategies. So because so, you you asked about repair and it's a very complex process of repairing because we want we want the repair to be as positive as possible because there has been a rupture and that there's something to repair so for some parents just how can they be warm with their child after the rupture just using affection and that soft touch and the smiles if they're not ready to actually listen to them because after there's been a rupture the child is going to have some really sore feelings, but after a rupture, also the parent's stress and trauma has been activated. So if the parent tries to go straight into, I'm really sorry, I got really annoyed, I got really grumpy with you, and that must have been disappointing or scary. What was it for you? How do you feel? Like It's really important to give kids that space to feel safe to say, I hated that. You were really scary when you got annoyed or we want them to feel really free. But that's an awful lot for the parent to cope with and to tolerate and to not get re-triggered. So how can they kind of bridge the rupture has happened? A space for repair needs to happen, but it needs to be a sacred space. And how can they negotiate that? Yeah, so it's really getting... I, I guess it's getting into those finer details with with parents. And that comes through working all that out for ourselves, Joss, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, we can only engage with the parents with that level of detail that we have engaged with ourselves. And that's through continuously reflecting, reflecting, reflecting. And, and through the reflecting come the insights. And through the insights, our heart opens again. And now we can genuinely repair it with our child because our heart's open. Whereas if we're trying to, pretending to repair it, but actually there's deep inside, you're kind of gritting your jaws and and resenting them and thinking, well, actually, you're the one who's just so being so difficult. It's it's not going to be repair. And then it's kind of actually going to be more like gaslighting, you know? Yeah. 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 
That's so helpful. Thank you. I think that's really, really interesting that you brought that in because it's so important in that repair process for us to be coming back and offering our children a sense of of love and safety. And I, I remember in the early days, I would often like really overcompensate. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, I've done such a terrible thing. I'm such an awful mother. I'm so sorry. And over and over and over. And that doesn't provide any kind of emotional safety for the children either. And what you're really saying here is that this way of parenting gives us so many tools to be able to support our children deeply with repair and reconnection. And yet the really crucial thing is for us to be getting support ourselves so that we have that space to be able to reflect, to get that insight, to be able to heal and to be able to recognize when our nervous system is going into that activation response and and taking ourselves away when we can, or at least taking time to to find some little way to, to restore our bodies restore our sense of of calm and balance and then to go in and and these beautiful processes that you're describing are incredibly powerful when mm-hmm. when they're offered from that space you're talking about yeah active listening of course that's such a big part of aware parenting mm-hmm. but i loved how you brought in a cl- inclusion and how reparative that is to be showing mm-hmm. our children that treating them with respect and showing them that they matter and that their voice matters and that their opinions matter and also being willing and able to hear when they tell us that, that felt horrible. I didn't mm. like that, mummy. That was scary. And to actually be able to hear that without going into our own stuff again in that moment. And I loved what you were saying about play because, of course, yeah, that is so incredibly reparative. But, yeah, what a huge journey it is. I loved how you broke that down into small steps that parents can take to to become more playful, to reconnect more with their playful side. And often that involves a lot of support and healing for us too. But yeah, I loved that process that often that can just be small things that we're offering our children. Like you say, that facial expression with that sort of exaggerated sense of silliness and 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 how it doesn't have to be all in, always thinking of amazingly therapeutic games that we can play. It, it's often just small gestures that that are the way to start. So I loved how you described that. Thank you. Mm. Is there anything else you want to say about repair before we start talking about something else? It's a bottomless subject, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. it gets into healing trauma. And that's, you know, it's something I'm I'm hugely, hugely passionate about. Um, but I guess I'll just I'll just mention that for me, one of my big passions is meditation and meditation and, and uh, mindfulness. And that has been a really big part of my journey. And that it's a really beautiful thing that that it's something that myself and my son and my daughter that we share together. And uh, so I just, you know, I'll just kind of drop that in that for me, my meditation in the evening or in the morning where I could fit it in and I guess sending them love and that sense of light through my meditation for me, that was a really big part of what really supported me in repairing mm. again and again, and that it's something that they now have in their lives, which is really beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, that can be really helpful. And I think that's part of it too, that there's no there's no one way for any of us to be doing this, that we're just exploring all the different modalities that we find helpful and then bringing them in as much as we can to support ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. That's right. It's like, what is the thing that makes your heart smile, opens your heart again, 
and whatever it is, then just keep doing that and do more of it. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. So is there anything else that you found helpful that you would like to share around listening to feelings with children? Because, I mean, even when we come with a therapeutic background and having done lots of listening, there's something quite uniquely challenging around listening to our children's feelings, especially when they're little, or in fact, actually at any time, because when they get into the teenage years, often those feelings are really big and they're big. So that can be very hard too. What would you like people to understand or what would you like to share about the the listening to our children's feelings aspect? Yeah, it's such a it's such an important one. It's such an important one to think about and talk about. And again, it's so you, something you said there, Joss, which I think is so important around. We have to be so, so, so mindful of our needs and what are our needs because we can we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're looking after a child and listening to our child but actually we're looking for reassurance you know so yeah just being really mindful to let our kids go all the way to the end of their process before we kind of come in at that more more engaged or problem solving or or whatever it is and just yesterday i was was with my son and my daughter and we had a plan to leave the house at such and such time and then it's like okay let's all go and she went running upstairs to jump in the shower <laughs> and then that ended up being a conversation because we had a table book for a certain time and it, it ended up being really really powerful, beautiful process actually between the three of us in having that conversation. And there was a piece there, I guess, because it's so fresh that I'll bring in where my son made the suggestion, you know, hey, you should get a watch. I can't survive without my watch. And 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 my daughter shared this kind of whole her whole process over that hour before leaving. And, you know, the yoga video was supposed to be this long, but it was longer. And it's like really, really detailed. And then she got frustrated because she wanted a response. She didn't know what she wanted. And and I, I asked her, thank you for sharing all of that. And can you help us identify what you most need? Do you need reassurance? Do you need... Do you need us to validate you? And it took a bit, but she got there. And I know, obviously, I'm talking about adults, but actually, these are kind of the same conversations, similar conversations, actually, you know, throughout all the years. So I think it's something I have always found really helpful is to help my kids try and identify what it is that they need, because they don't just need to share their feelings. Hey. They are really highly, highly, highly attuned to our response. Like our response is determining whether they feel seen and heard and understood, whether they feel validated, whether they feel that they've what they've just said is okay, is has been understood. And there's a really tricky process there around what is it that they really need. And like yesterday with my daughter, she she thought she needed one thing. Then she realized, actually, you know, she said something like, I I got defensive. And it's not that I think that you guys think I'm not good at managing my time, but I got defensive, something like that, right? 
And then she got to identify that something in her got triggered. And then she could ask us for reassurance that we can see how hard she tries to or how hard how hard she works in any one day to manage time. And then we all talked about how challenging it is in any one day to manage time. And I'm just using that as a kind of a live example that because that conversation it's so familiar. We got to a really good place and everybody was so satisfied. And she was so happy that she identified that she was defensive, but she didn't realize she was defensive and why she was defensive and what it got triggered in her. And obviously the four, five, six, seven-year-old, they're not going to identify their process like that, but it's through those skills at those very, very young ages of the parent saying, that sounds really, really, really hard and frustrating. And I can see that you were just working really hard to make that work. And then it all went wrong. And as so, it must be so disappointing. And how do you feel when I say this? And what do you need, honey? And what do you most need? And and I'm thinking now this time when my son was about 11 or 12, and he was venting and venting and having huge outbursts and after some conflict I think was with his dad and but it was just him and I and he was crying and venting and venting and crying and venting and and then there was one point when he stopped and he just looked at me and he said oh my gosh mom you just you just keep listening to me you just keep listening to me and he was just overwhelmed with gratitude and then he just kept expressing how grateful he was and he was hugging me and holding me and he said i bet you none of my friends that their parents would listen to them for this long and and then we talked about it and it was the first time that he got to kind of step outside and lock in and and realize what the gift it was that he wasn't anxious that I was going to move on, you know, that I was going to be the one who decided, okay, enough of this now, let's let's problem solve, or let's go and have lunch, or let's, you know, shift out of this. That's incredibly hard to do. And I've kind of already talked about how a lot of parents won't have the capacity to do that. And so you know, I don't want a parent listening to that going, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I can't listen all the way to the end. But everybody can build up towards or work towards listening for a bit longer and a bit longer or coming back and listening later. And I remember my daughter was was young. I remember this time that we were all outside. She was only about two and a half, I think. And the ball hit her. And so she had a really big upset. And I sat on the grass and I was listening and holding her and oh, got a big fright. And, oh, you know, just really empathizing. And 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 then she's angry and then she's sad and now she's frustrated because she wants to be playing. She doesn't want to be crying, but she needs to be crying. And, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that's it. You know, you can still play afterwards and let it all out. And that's my girl. Let it all out. And then a while later, we were inside and I said, come here, come here. And I sat her on my knee and I said, oh, you got a big fright. Oh, and the ball suddenly hits you in the head. And, oh, you got such a big fright, didn't you? And then she burst out crying again. And, you know, Lalisa talks about this as well. And it's it's such a beautiful thing that I think parents don't always remember to touch back on it. 
And then it's equally important when we touch back on it, if they're not at all interested, you don't kind of push them to get in touch with that emotion. And they just want to be playing, you know, there's, it, they get to decide, but you, but when we do that, we give them such a strong message of not only am I willing to listen, I'm happy to listen. I want to listen. And not only is it okay that it takes as long as it takes, but if there's now more later on, bring that back as well. I guess in a way these are kind of, I'm not saying anything new, but I think whether we are parenting it, it really helps parents become very heightened in their awareness of the importance of the messages that we're giving. It's not just about the listening and the empathizing. It's about being congruent in the mirror neurons and what's happening in their nervous system and the softness of touch and the softness in her voice and the soothing validation that shows us that we're we know that this is really sensitive for them Mm. yeah yeah I, I love that and it really comes down to I mean what you're describing really is trusting trusting our children to go through that process in their own time for as long as they need to and acknowledging when we're at the end of our capacity that's completely fine too and we can tell our children that you know it's completely fine as you say to say I can't listen anymore but I will come back to it and and then going back to it later but really what you're describing is that and I love you use these words the powerful beauty of the process that we are when we validate when we acknowledge when we understand when our children feel truly seen for what they truly need and and that difference between welcoming feelings as opposed to just listening to them. So when we're welcoming feelings, we're really saying that we really are here right now to welcome whatever you bring us. And that's all of it. And you know, it's interesting, you were talking about that beautiful story that you shared around your Mother's Day yesterday and, and the process that you went through as a family. And I had a similar thing yesterday where I had lots of feelings coming up. Some of them were beautiful and l- feelings of, of love and joy and connection. And I also had a lot of sadness coming up for various other reasons for things that are going on in my life. And I really came to the end of the day just feeling what a beautiful, profound, rich day it was. All of the feelings were welcome there in the day. And I think in the past, if I'd had big feelings of sadness or or f- some fights between the children or whatever, I might tend to get to the end of the day and think, well, that was a really shit day. What a bad day. It wasn't smooth and perfect and nice and loving and connected. But really what we're doing here is, is welcoming all the feelings and really just trusting that life will sometimes be really painful and hard and sometimes it will be really beautiful and joyous and that we can kind of hold space and get support when we feel like we can't hold space to just accept all of it in 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 its richness whether that's good or bad but it's so powerful isn't it when we can just be there with whatever is and I love what you were saying about the impact. And I'm, I'm going to go on and talk to you about this more. But when you were talking about that story, when your son was crying at 12 and he just kept bringing you these big, 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 big feelings and you kept holding it for them because what an incredible message and an amazing gift that that gives our children that whatever they show up with, however they're behaving, whatever we're bringing, they're bringing to us, we are going to be holding that with love. And when we can't, we're getting support so that we can come back so that we can hold it again with love. And I just, I mean, just that in itself is transformative for our children, isn't it? It's so transformative, Joss. And how many people sadly will go through most of their lives, if not all of their lives, without ever really having that space held 
unconditionally and and to that extent people pay if if they're blessed enough to go to a counselor and and have a good therapist which in itself is incredibly difficult to find and develop that relationship but there's always the 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 stopwatch is on hey it's a there's a limited time for it and there's not many people who have the opportunity to share and share and share so yeah if we can do that for our children even some of the time even though it's very hard because so often it's at night time isn't it you yeah. know or the inopportune moments and it's it's still like that so often with my daughter that it's just before just I'm saying good night to her yeah. she's like oh mom and then she's you know sharing something really big that came up in her journaling or meditation or her conversation with somebody and that familiar feeling it's like Exhausted. I was just about to hit bed, and then I have to make that decision. And it's a, it's a, as you're saying, the kind of the messy, competing, and conflicting needs. But when we approach it all with openness and value, then we can just keep keep going in the right direction, millimeter at a time. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to ask you more about the impact of, of parenting this way. Uh, you've spoken already a little bit about the emotional intelligence and insight that your now adult children obviously have. I see that in mind too. And and their understanding around exploring needs, unmet needs, that kind of thing. Well, what else would you like people to understand? Because often people come to Aware Parenting and they're listening to the podcast and they've got a six-month-old who they're starting to listen to their feelings that can be really helpful for those of us with adult children to share how we see the mm. impact of of having done this journey in terms of who they are and how they are in the world. What would you like to share about that? Yeah, Joss. Oh my gosh. I I love this subject and I'd love to share some videos and interviews with them. They're both so passionate about this way of parenting, so passionate, so passionate about the work that I do. And something we were talking about again yesterday, but comes up a lot, is that they're both so excited about the day that they become parents. And it's a really beautiful thing that they have got so much confidence that they're going to be these wonderful parents, and which I'm sure they will be. And I think so much of this comes from this way of parenting and how overall the parent-child relationship for them, their relationship with me is so is so beautiful. And I have such a wonderful relationship with them, like so amazing, really. And oh my gosh, these guys, they have the gratitude and appreciation that they have for me is just off the charts. And they express it all the time, like on a daily basis. And something that they have both talked about a lot is how as they have got older, they now can appreciate me a lot better. And what it took to be the parents that I was, because when they were growing up, mom's just mom and I look after their needs and when something goes right, they're happy and something goes wrong, they're unhappy and they're grumpy and frustrated. And and it's just it's just how it is. And of course, young kids have got they've got no idea 
<laughs> no idea. <laughs> uh, no idea what what our our trauma history and and the what we've been through and and the work that's going on behind the scenes. They would have just thought, well, this is just who I am. Like I was born like this, and and of course we we are born with these beautiful souls. They had no idea then, but have learned a lot more about my trauma history. I don't know if you're familiar with the adverse childhood effects score, but my 9.5. So, you know, very, yeah, <laughs> very, you know, quite extreme abuse and uh, one of nine children and physical and sexual abuse and psychological abuse. And, and it was, yeah, a lot of, a lot of trauma, a lot of darkness that I had to work through. And when they were young, I was so worried that how would I tell them this, you know, one day, like so worried about that. And, but also worried that I can't just keep it all a big dark secret. And, but, you know, so I had to navigate all of that. So they, they now have so much, regardless of the, not even just the trauma, but just the day-to-day work of, of being an open-hearted person they themselves know that that they have all of their practices that they do in their day to keep themselves on track and in balance and and now they they have that appreciation for the work that it took for me to be that person who they experienced to be overall overall more or less consistently warm and responsive and caring and there for them, you know, there for them and believing in them and supporting them and encouraging them. And and so that's been a really beautiful process. And, you know, my son was saying yesterday, I know that it's not just when my children are young that I will have this amazing relationship. I know that they're not going to turn 12 or 13 and then look at me and go, I thought you were really cool, but actually you're you're full of crap. You know, he said, I know that's not going to happen because I know I'm going to be the real deal because I'm committed to it. And and you know, expressing appreciation to me for the role model that I've been. And my son left home at 18. And then it was actually in the the pandemic that he moved back because he couldn't go to university. And we have a self-contained flat that we were doing Airbnb. He moved back to finish his university degree and ended up, he now works full time for the Peaceful Parent Institute. We literally work together every day. And my daughter also works for me as well. And he talks about how he's so appreciative that that sort of life circumstances brought him back home to get to know me and develop a a really in-depth relationship as adults, which of course we would have had, but just the amount of time that we have had together that he, he feels so grateful. And what he says is, I had so much more to learn from you, mom, that I didn't appreciate when I was younger. I didn't appreciate this wealth of of wisdom, knowledge that I had around so many things that I've been passionate about, like like health and healing and relationships and nutrition and meditation and mindfulness and all these things that are now, these guys are so passionate about. 
how beautiful is that? And I was really confident. You know, I remember Joss when I used to run parenting workshops when they were young and there would be like that person in the group who says, yeah, but you haven't parented as a teenager yet, have you, Genevieve? And I just found it so frustrating because I couldn't, I didn't have the testimonial yet, I didn't have the success story. I knew I would have. I had zero doubt about it. I was absolutely certain that this is how it would turn out. And I just knew whatever life shows up and there are always the challenges and the, there continues to be the challenges. But when you're committed to staying connected, maintaining connection, maintaining the love and the respect and the listening and working together through it all, then things can only just keep getting better. And so I'm delighted you asked me this question because I want to kind of shout from the rooftop. My kids have got their normal growth and challenges. It's not that they don't have any anything to work on, but they've got all the tools to work on whatever it is that they're working on. They've got all of the tools. And we are, the three of us, very much on the journey of supporting each other's growth, no matter what comes up. And how amazing is that? Yeah. <sighs> So amazing. I love that answer. Yeah. And I, yeah, so much resonated for me too. I just think, I, I think the, the really key thing that I heard there was when we are committed to, to connection and to compassion with our children, the result is this extraordinary relationship, which is based on, on love and trust, connection, understanding and growth, continued ongoing growth. And I loved what you were saying about your children now being receptive to you sharing more about the other things that you have expertise and, and understanding of. And my daughter actually said to me the other day, because I often make comments about all kinds of different things in life that I yeah. know lots about and care lots about. And she said something about to me the other day about Oh, is in relation to breathing, and I'm, I'm quite passionate about nose breathing, and so I've talked a lot yes, to kids yes, about that. Yes. And because um, usually she she makes she sort of teases me a little bit for these things that I'm really interested in. But yesterday she said, "I'm so grateful that you have shared so much of your wisdom, and that I've been exposed to all kinds of understandings about things that lots of people aren't." But I just I really keep coming back to for all of us, even when our kids are little, to imagine what it's going to be like for them to be brought up with with loving listening to know that all of your feelings are welcome that however you behave your parents are always going to look underneath that to try and work out what's going on where you know that your needs matter and that your parents will try to find ways to meet your needs where you understand that your parents want to prioritize their attachment their relationship their connection with you where you see that your parents want to play with you where you see that when things are really tough for them, they reach out for support so that they can keep coming back and trying again. And and so that you you just know that you are just so unconditionally deeply loved. I mean, how can that be anything other than perfect? And of course, our children are going to be perfectly imperfect adults, but they, when when we gift them this in their childhood, it is profound in terms of them and who they are and in terms of our relationship with them, which is just ongoing source of joy for, for us, isn't it? It's just so Absolutely. beautiful. It's so, so beautiful. So profound. So profound, Joss. Gorgeous. Thank you. 
So I'd just love to ask you a bit about the Peaceful Parenting Institute and how people can find out more about you, Genevieve, and, and how people can work with you, what you're offering, that kind of thing. Yes. Oh, thanks, Joss. So the website is peacefulparent.com, um, singular, peacefulparent.com. And yeah, there's just dozens of free articles there um, for, for parents to, to read through, but also quite a lot of courses that um, that we've developed over the years. I offer a, a Peaceful Parenting Instructor Training Program, a one-year program, and uh, I wanted to help these people a lot more to get to the stage where they're confident working with parents because I've been maxed out for a very, very long time. There's only so much that we can do and so many people we can reach. So um, since 2019, I've been offering the Peaceful Parenting Instructor Training Program. And I think we've got instructors and trainees in 55 or more countries now. And, um, and I love working with them and supporting them. So the you know, the the community keeps building. So yeah, just I guess if people can just go on my website and also Instagram, it's the Peaceful Parent Institute is the handle. And on Facebook, it's the way of the peaceful parent is my main Facebook page. Great. I'll put all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you. So the last thing I always ask people is if you could go right back to the beginning of your parenting process now with everything that you know and everything you've learned over the years, what, what would you tell yourself or what do you wish that you'd known and deeply understood right at the beginning, right at the beginning process? Hey, gosh, <clears throat> that makes me so emotional. Yes, I know. <laughs> I love to go back and do it all over again. Oh. The the big the big thing that surfaces for me there, Joss, is it's around compassion for myself. That's what I wish that I had had much deeper compassion for myself and to take that so much so much pressure on myself to fix and heal everything as as fast as I could. And I thought I was, you know, I was working on loving myself. I was working really, really hard on loving and forgiving myself. And But I can see that I had a high standard, but with that was a lot of kind of fear and anxiety and self-judgment. Um, so, yeah, just compassion for myself that, Jen, you are doing, you're doing well enough and you're doing great. And overall, you're a beautiful mom. And that's that's the main thing. That's all that matters, you know yeah oh that's a beautiful message thank you and thank you so much for making time I know it's going to be incredibly helpful for people to hear your your stories your sharing your wisdom and I've I've so enjoyed talking to you thank you thank you so much Joss thank you for taking the time to talk to me I've really enjoyed it yeah thank you thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories I hope you enjoyed this episode to find out more, please visit my website www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.